Welcome to When It Goes Wrong, the podcast exploring disasters, accidents, and times when everything falls apart. I'm Jasmine, your host, and on this episode, we'll be discussing some theme park and roller coaster disasters. So we'll be covering three different ones today. And so I'll be digging into the Smiler crash at Alton Towers, the Mindbender crash in Canada, and the Lunar Park fire. So I wanted to cover a few different ones today, just so that we can uh, get a a wide variety of of theme park disasters. There's actually been so many when I started looking it up, I was like, might end up doing a, a part two at some point, but I... I'm definitely not a fan of roller coasters and they've always kind of terrified me and looking into this has not really helped that fear. But yeah, I'll let you make your own own mind up about that. So I wanted to first start with the Smiler. So the Smiler is a roller coaster at Alton Towers in the UK and it was opened in 2013 and it was the first roller coaster there which had 14 different inversions and that sounds horrible (laughs) but I'm sure to those roller coaster enthusiasts out there that must have been amazing Uh, so basically it has uh, lots of twists and turns and it runs with up to five different cars at any one time so five different cars of of people at any one time but they can choose how many cars to run on the roller coaster whenever they want so uh, they frequently had less cars running on the roller coaster uh, but it just very much depended on the demand and how many people were in the park at the time so on the 2nd of june 2015 there were some really high winds in the park and that had led to some of the rides being closed However, it was it was still a busy day. It was still summer. The queues were still long because uh, some of the rides had been closed. The the queues, especially for the Smiler, were really la- were really long, and people were very keen to get get going. So at around one p.m., an operator on the ride noticed that a warning light had come on. And so they followed the standard procedure and they asked everyone to leave the ride. They rang an engineer. The engineer engineer came and investigated the warning light to see what was going on. And they all pretty much thought that it must be something to do with the wind. And so prior to this engineer call out, the ride had had four cars on it. But because it was so busy and because other rides were closed they decided to add the fifth car in and they thought this time whilst the engineer was looking into the warning light was a perfect time to add that fifth car in so then when the roller coaster started back up again it would have all five cars on it but this is where where it went wrong basically because there wasn't communication really at this point between the people that were adding the car onto the roller coaster and the engineers and the operators who were looking into the problem so the engineer fixed that initial warning uh, and then left the operators to run the ride so at that point the operator did another a test run and sent some empty cars around the track and because of the strong winds, that ca- that car stalled, so it couldn't make it up one of the one of the steep inclines, and it fell back and and stopped in one of the valleys of the track. So it was just basically an empty car. They had tried to test with it; it had got stuck, and then had just lay just stopped basically in the middle of the track. But this wasn't noticed because the the operators still thought that there were only four cars on it in total. So they were like, great, I can count four cars. These four cars, I know where they all are. They're all fine. Uh, So we must be good to go. 
And so they loaded up some of the other cars with with guests and and they were ready to set off. So then basically, when these cars full of people went round, the first car went to the top of the hill before... Is it called a hill in a roller coaster? We'll go with that. The top of the hill and... Again, the ride showed an error and the people were like, oh, you know, this is weird. It's error and again. But basically what the ride had done, it, it did its job properly and it had gone. There's a empty car in front of this one. Uh, stop the ride and get rid of the empty car because it's going to not be very good if you carry on. But because the operators and the engineers thought they knew where all the four cars were, they, they just thought it was a faulty light. They didn't realize that it was actually telling them something. While the car was stopped at the top, uh, the engineers looked at the ride again. They were like, right, we can see all four cars. Uh, it must be fine. So the engineers basically pressed a button to override that safety warning and made the ride start again with the people on it and with the empty car just sitting there on the track. The car at the top of the track then carried on, went around the, the rest of it, up and down and all around, and then basically ploughed directly into that car that was stopped. And it, I mean, it just sounds horrific because the, the people that were on the ride could see that this, you know, this empty cart was in front of them, but they couldn't do anything about it. They would just, they just ploughed into it. And yeah, it was pretty, pretty horrendous. It took them about four to five hours to remove the passengers then from that point. So obviously they knew pretty quickly that something had gone terribly wrong, but it was, I, I actually remember this this incident and at the time people were like, how did this happen? Like what is going on? So it was clearly like a lot of confusion around what, what had gone on, who was hurt, all of that type of thing. So they got everyone else off the ride pretty quickly. That was fine. But those in that car you know, a lot of them were injured, even if they weren't right at the front with the kind of horrible injuries, the ones at the back, um, you know, had a lot of like whiplash and stuff because it clearly hit the empty car at such a speed that, yeah, people were not, were not well. So it took them, yeah, four to five hours to remove the passengers. And those at the front were definitely the most injured. So Vicky Balch and Leah Washington were both airlifted to hospital from the park, but they both required leg amputations. So they both ended up losing their legs because of uh, the injuries that they suffered from from hitting the car in front of them. Uh, many others broke lots of bones, uh, legs, other legs were broken, that kind of thing. So there was generally quite a yeah, quite an impact to all the passengers on board. So following the crash. Merlin removed, who the people that owned the, the park, removed the Smiler and three other rides from service while it investigated what was wrong to try and see. Because at first they were like, oh, you know, it could have been like a mechanical fault or like what happened basically. So they, they removed them from service whilst they tried to figure that out. Uh, but eventually they did admit fault. They accepted liability. They accepted it was their fault that the incident had happened. Um, and they then made several payouts to those impacted on the ride for the injuries that they suffered. But some of you will be glad to know that the Smiler is once again open <laughs> at Alden Towers. So if you fancy a ride, I'm sure it's much safer now.
was our first tale. Our second one, then, we're going a little bit further around the globe. This really is a around the world episode. Uh, so this time we're going to Canada and we're going to the Mindbender roller coaster, which was in Edmonton, Alberta. And the Mindbender roller coaster is actually the largest indoor roller coaster in the world, which I thought was interesting. And it's in a mall, which is just so. I mean, I was going to say American, but American and Canadian. So American and Canadian, they have a mall with a roller coaster in it. So it's in the largest mall in North America. And there is a theme park in that large mall, uh, which is known as Galaxyland. So, yeah, fancy a shop and then go off to go on a roller coaster. <laughs> so it is pretty big in terms of how roller coasters go. Uh, but basically, instead of the last story where there were five different cars that were carrying people, in this one, it was just one train, basically, so like a train. And then within that train, it had four carriages, and then each carriage carried four people. So essentially, 16 people could go on the ride at a time in this train within each of the carriages. And the track is similar to... Uh, other roller coasters it's got lots of inversions up down all of that type of thing so still a pretty yeah and pretty impressive roller coaster so we're going back now to june 1986 and the carriages were making a rattling noise and despite inspections they couldn't really figure out what was wrong so this this noise had been reported they tried to get to the bottom of what was happening they couldn't so they decided to run the, a few train like run a few rides with the train uh, without any passengers in it and just watch it see how it goes and basically they did all of that and then it all seemed fine so they were like great we're ready to go uh, we'll we'll let people back on the train unfortunately it's never just a rattle is it so uh, when the train then ran the rattle turned out to be a problem with the wheels and as the went as the train went round, by the time it got to the final loop, the wheels in the last cart in the train just fell off, and then the car itself struck the bottom of the of the roller coaster track, and then the whole bottom of the carriage was essentially sheared off. So the whole bottom of the carriage is now gone, and then obviously because of this like catastrophic impact that has happened. It caused the four lap bars to fail. So it was just lap bars on the carriages. And basically the entire, like the four people in the back of the car were just thrown out. So it was, uh, you know, a real series of events there with the wheels falling off, bottom of the car falling out, car hitting the tracks, lap bars failing, people falling out. What happened then was that the train people were thrown out of the train the train then carried on and attempted to make the final loop but it failed because one of the cars of the train was you know dragging itself along the track which wasn't particularly uh, smooth smooth running for the train and so then the train uh, couldn't make the loop it struck a concrete pole and then it came to a stop so it then basically like tried to go up. Have you imagined it try, trying to go up one side of a loop, failing, and then it, it, it fell backwards back down the loop. But because the back carriage was 
had no wheels or floor, the back carriage like veered off and then that whacked into a concrete pole, which then kind of concertinaed and and impacted the rest of the carriages that were in front of it. Uh, Unfortunately, three of the four people who were thrown out of the back carriage died at the scene. So they were thrown because it was a con- because it was an indoor roller coaster it just had a concrete floor at the bottom so they just yeah were flung onto the concrete floor and died at the scene the fourth poor person who was in the uh, carriage at the time did survive but did it broke huge amounts of bones um and spent uh, many months in hospital trying to recover luckily some of the other most of the other people on the train were okay they just had minor injuries but definitely not an enjoyable experience and the man that did survive is is still alive today and and does quite a few uh discussions and stuff about what happened and he is really trying to get like a a plaque or something put up uh to memorialize this crash uh, but unfortunately hasn't been successful but there are quite a few interviews out there with him so once all of that had happened, the roller coaster actually reopened. <laughs> so like the smile look continues to be used. This was in 1986, I think we said. Yeah, 1986. So it's still used today. Thankfully, the cars have been upgraded. Uh, better wheels have been put on and they have increased the restraints. So now uh, instead of just a lap bar, there's like a harness, is that what we call it? Basically, you're strapped in a lot more, so hopefully um, it's not as easy to be flung out of. But yes, it is, it's still being used today. And and thankfully, since then, has had a perfect safety record. The cause of the crash, though, has never been fully determined. It was likely a mix of like, why the wheels had fallen off. Um, it was generally agreed that it was a mix of design flaws on the roller coaster itself and then potentially issues with maintenance. So if those carriages weren't being looked after well enough, whether that, that then contributed to uh, the the wheels failing. So yeah, another quite quite tragic one in in that case because I just think it's yeah you don't you don't go on a roller coaster in a mall expecting to be thrown out and killed. But like all the horrible things we talk about. It, you know, it does lead to increases in safety and increases of, uh, you know, different safety mechanisms on roller coasters. So hopefully we will have learned from this and I will go through what changes have been made since, since then. story I wanted to talk about today was the Luna Park fire and this has come really back into the news a lot recently when I was I was just in Australia recently actually and there was a lot on the TV there's a new uh, mini series over there around the Luna Park fire uh, which was very interesting so I thought I'd cover it today. So Luna Park is a theme park in central Sydney Uh, It's right by the Harbour Bridge, so if you have been to Sydney, you will most likely have seen it. You, it's got like that quite creepy, like clown face. I think it's a clown. 
Clarence Place, like underneath the Harbour Bridge. So it's pretty hard to miss. And it's in like the like the most opportune spot in Sydney because it's right by the Harbour Bridge, right on the um, right on the bank of the ocean and then it looks over at the sydney opera house and looks over at the sydney skyline and yeah it's a it's a beautiful spot i haven't actually been in the park itself i've seen it a lot but i haven't yeah haven't ventured in as yet as we learned earlier i'm not a huge fan of roller coasters that's probably why um so the park has been there for years and we're going back now again to 1979 and in 1979 the one of the most popular rides was the ghost train and the ghost train was uh it was made in the 1930s and it was quite a traditional ride so it was still made out of wood and i mean ghost train is pretty self-explanatory but it wasn't as intense as the two other roller coasters we talked about so far so it wasn't uh all you know loops and inversions and stuff it was much tamer than that but it was themed you know, themed ghostly and things kind of jumped out at you and all of that type of stuff to, to make it scary. So on the 9th of the 9th of June um, in 1979, at 10 p.m., suddenly flames started appearing throughout the ghost train and these flames appeared and spread super quickly. So within minutes, it seemed, the fire had just taken over the entire train and the entire building that housed it was just totally on fire. And the ride itself had some fire hoses, but there were there was a lot of, like low water pressure in the park at the time, so the they were the hoses that they had just weren't able to keep up with the flames and just the whole thing was engulfed. And as it was one of those rides where it had lots of carriages all linked together so multiple carriages that all went all the way around and basically as the carriages were coming out of the ride it they were just burning they were just totally on fire and that's how quick it spread because there was estimated to be 35 people on the ride at the time so obviously they you know it wasn't that on fire when they got on so they must have got on with it being not that aflame and then by the time they finished the ride, it was just totally gone up in smoke. So yeah, so they thought there were 35 people on the ride at the time. And thankfully, a lot of the people on the ride managed to run and escape. So the majority of people stayed in the little cars, came out the front and were okay. Uh, but unfortunately, not everyone was so lucky. So at around 11.30 p.m., the bodies of four boys from the local college were found. Uh, they were all teenagers, so all young. And they also found the bodies of John Godson and his two children on the ride as well. So sadly, all of them, all seven of them, all seven of them have been uh, trapped in the ride and just hadn't been able to get out and, and perished in the fire. And it, it's, uh, I mean, it's a super sad one because they they are so young. So like four teenagers from the school, but then, yeah, John and his two children, it was really sad because his wife was also in the, like his wife and, and the children's mother was also in the park at the time. And they basically were about to leave and they were like, oh, we've got enough 
tokens or whatever to do one more ride and so they decided to do the ghost train and his wife also wanted to do it but she also wanted to go and get an ice cream so she was like oh I'm just gonna go and get an ice cream and by by the time they she had gone to get the ice cream they'd already run off to go on the ride so she was like all right I'll just wait for them to come back and yeah so she just she didn't go on but her whole family went on and then she had to stand there in the park and watch what happened and and they all went in and and didn't come out which is just a horrendous story um she's done a lot of interviews about it actually and she believes it was divine intervention because she didn't often like ice cream but just had a sudden hankering for it which meant that she didn't go on the ride but such a tragic story the park was immediately shut down once this fire had happened and there was an inquest at the time. And at that point, the inquest didn't come to any conclusion about what caused the fire. So it wasn't really clear from the ride itself that that the ride had, you know, caught a flame or something had gone wrong there. But it, and it also didn't, didn't see that whether it had been caused by foul play or, or anything like that. So it basically just didn't come to a conclusion. It did find that the park didn't have adequate fire plans though. So it didn't have, like we mentioned earlier, like it didn't have, it had low water pressure. Uh, it didn't have any sprinklers. It didn't have, uh, you know, particularly good fire safety, essentially, which they had to then rectify before the park reopened. And the reason that this case has come back into the news and why there was that uh, documentary series that I mentioned was because recently as a result of a journalist investigation, it's become clear that the fire may have actually been arson and it may have been foul play. So they've been linked, there have been links over the years to a guy called Abe Saffron, who was an an underworld figure in Sydney at the time. He was a property developer. He was very heavily involved in organised crime uh, in Sydney throughout the 70s. And he was associated with many arson attacks over the years. But he wasn't linked to this at the time. And so it was alleged that he wanted to try and take over ownership of Luna Park uh, so that he could get the land that it sat on. So like I said earlier, it was very valuable land and the idea was that it was the the park's tender was coming up for uh, renewal and he wanted to get it and so he potentially started the fire to uh, disrupt the the reputation of the people that were running it at the time and so it's not clear whether that was I mean it's not clear whether that's true and it's not clear whether it was done with any kind of malicious intent in terms of knowing that people would die as a result of of the actions that took place, but very likely could have. Um, And it's also then been linked to quite a few other quite prominent uh, like politicians and police chiefs and that kind of thing at the time who potentially all covered it up. Like they did potentially know that it was arson at the time, but it never, never came through and was, and was proven. As a result of the TV series and the journalist investigation that's going on about this fire, uh, there's been a new call for police to investigate it again now and to look again at all of the evidence and potentially see whether there's a need to open a new inquest 
to then fully look at it again and see whether they can change the you know the verdict of the cause of the fire to potentially something something which is foul play so i'm sure that that will probably be in the news probably much more in the australian news than over here because i haven't seen much about it in the uk uh over the over the next coming coming weeks and months and so i'll be very interested to hear what happens and what the conclusion of that tale is so a bit of a different one in terms of theme park disasters because that one was potentially done on purpose compared to the others which uh may have been you know mechanical and and human failure but as we know with many things you know Lots of lots of bad things can happen in lots of different ways, which we've, we've got to look out for. Like I mentioned earlier, thankfully, these incidents that we've talked about have resulted in improved safety and improved conditions and stuff for roller coasters and for theme parks. And I think, you know, the amount of news coverage that The Smiler got in 2015, I think like there, there's so much news coverage about theme park disasters now because they don't happen very often it's the same with plane crashes right it there's so there's so few plane crashes and so few roller coaster incidents that then when one does happen they cover it to the nth degree because it's just rare and interesting and people are like oh my god i don't know how that happened so super interesting so very uh yeah interesting to cover but thankfully we have learned some things so I'll, I'll quickly run through those so the first thing that became clear in the smiler incident was the team the engineers and the team that were fixing the rides and this is the same across all parks not not just this one is that they have you know kind of set times and slas and kpis and stuff in order to fix the ride so they're under pressure to fix things quickly basically because obviously any however long a ride stays closed for that's impacting the customers of the park and meaning that people can't go on them and you know people aren't going to visit the park and all that kind of thing there's like a direct knock-on impact basically and so because there is this like pressure to to fix quickly that potentially could be causing a culture that means that the most safety conscious decisions may not be made so for example when we talked about the smiler i mean we don't know this for sure but when they overrode overrode when they um overrode the the release to send the car off and whack into the other car you know were they doing that because they were like oh we've got to get this ride back up and running just do it kind of thing and if they weren't under that pressure would they've taken the time to you know go out and look at it and walk around and, and see you know see the thing that had actually been going wrong that culture and that pressure came into the spotlight as part of that and their has been, you know, impacts and efforts to then try and not put that pressure, I guess, on on engineers and on theme park operators and really make sure that, you know, safety comes first and, and making sure that don't, not to rush these things in order to just get the park open again. So that's very positive. And it's a similar, it's a similar concept in, in aviation. Again, I know I haven't done a story in aviation, mainly because I'm scared of flying and I don't want to read about planes crashing, but I will, I will do one at some point. Uh, but that's the same concept in terms of like safety is just like the most important thing. And so even if it does have, you know, it will have impacts to customers and it is frustrating. I know it's so frustrating when anyone flies and you're, you know, you're sitting in a departure lounge being like, I just want to go. Uh, but taking the time out to actually make sure things are safe is just so much more important. 
Uh, so along with that, the next one was importance of maintenance. So more so in the in the older ones, it became very clear the the need for maintenance and the need to ensure that rides are always in tip top condition. And thankfully, that seems to have been implemented over the years. And and I know theme parks now definitely have a much more stringent uh, maintenance and and checking process uh, to make sure that the rides are up to scratch and there's not going to be any of those mechanical failures and the wheels are not going to fall off uh, the carriage of the car that you're in and then finally more around the lunar park one but just the importance of fire prevention so that fire really I was going to say sparked, that's not the right word. Um, That fire really led to increases in fire safety and fire, making sure that we're we're prepared for fire and and sprinklers and all of that kind of thing. So thankfully, this was a very old roller coaster, so it was wood. And I think that most of us know now that the majority of roller coasters out there are made of metal, which obviously decreases the risk around fire a lot more. But there's been a lot more safety regulations put in as well. So sprinklers um, and, you know, emergency exits and that kind of thing. And I know from the <laughs> the few roller coasters and rides and things that I have been on, it, it is now a lot more obvious to see, you know, you see emergency exits all the time when you're on rides, like this is a way out. Uh, so thankfully that has improved as well. Yeah, even though we have three pretty tragic stories here, they have hopefully all led to safety, you know, led to safer environments and safer rise for us. And and that hopefully means that there have been a lot less accidents over the years. Uh, so, you know, hopefully there is there is some upside to it. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, like always, I'll put the links to the things that I watched in the and read in the show notes below. I... There's nothing specific I want to call out this week, but uh, the the Lunar Park documentary series, if you are in Australia, uh, I think is is worth a watch, uh, and maybe it will make make its way over here. Uh, I wanted to say thank you as well because people actually requested some of the things in this episode, so I am very excited to to do some listener requests. Uh, so please do carry on requesting things. Uh, I will. I've, I've written them all down, and I will get to all of them eventually. I promise. Uh, I'm working working my way through them so please do follow me and contact me at on instagram at when it goes wrong pod uh, and you can also email me at when it goes wrong pod at gmail.com so thank you very much for listening and see you next time bye